And we are live with our 92nd episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Minecraft. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because everyone's still in quarantine and. As Ken so succinctly put it earlier, nothing else matters. So, so <laughs> we're here. Yeah. Um, as far as announcements go, uh, in a couple weeks, Ken and I will be hosting our excellent adventures and secure code review course um, for OWASP AppSec days, uh, the virtual AppSec days. Um, it'll only be two days, four hours each day. We're still trying to figure out exactly what that means for the course. We will cover the content, but as far as how we're going to fit everything into you know, eight hours as opposed to our normal 16 or 24 is going to be a question. Um, I think you're going to actually have homework if you're attending the course to get through. I, I think that's really the only way that we can do it. So, um, But... Sign up for that. That should be an interesting event. Uh, I know OASP is trying to do something different with the whole virtual aspect, uh, see how it runs. Um, it'll be a good outlay for us as well to see how the content actually runs online, right? As opposed to in person. Since, you know, we're all gonna be stuck in our houses for at least the next, you know, four to six weeks, if not longer, right? At least that's what yeah. it feels like right now. <clears throat> I, I may be a little bit jaded at the moment, so excuse me if I am. But, yeah, everybody is, man. Yeah, <laughs> not just you. Yeah, that, that's I think true. one one thing that'll be different about the course for sure is that we normally have people pair up in groups, and so that won't be something that we can really do in the same way, you know, with that collaborative kind of in person engagement. So it should be interesting to see how. Uh, I mean, it's like anything that is going that is happening right now. We're all adjusting to this, yeah, being technology like technology connected, but like physically disconnected. So everybody's yeah. work, everybody's working around this, you know. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to figure out something as far as like a chat channel or I, I don't know. I mean, you know, because you could do some sort of a group call to step through some of that. At least do, you know. I mean, we talked last week with. Whoever was on. <laughs> Stefan. Stefan. There we go. Yeah. Jeez. That's, yeah. Feels like three weeks ago. But yeah, last week we were talking about kind of the threat modeling and actually bouncing it off people. A lot of what we do becomes that much more efficient if you actually have someone else to talk to about it. So uh, we got to figure out some way that you can actually interact and do the same sort of evaluation that you would in person. So Yeah. But it's totally doable. Yeah. We'll work around it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got that coming up. Um, apparently there's a conference somewhere in the Pacific ocean and like later this year, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably never heard of it. Yeah. Probably never heard of it. Yeah. Mm. They, they did announce, they pushed that back, right? November. They actually gave the dates if I remember right. <clears throat> I think I saw on Twitter regarding a different conference. Uh, oh. Defcon. I think I saw yesterday they were talking about um, having to make a decision soon on um, whether or not to, you know, dump it and and just not have it for this year. I know a lot of people were pushing them uh, to do November, which seems to be um, 
I mean, that's when Loco Mocasek moved their conference to. And it, I mean, November's, I think, man, because it's going to be crazy because I think we've got in the span of just like that fall of this year, so many conferences that have moved their conferences to to that like, well, October, November time slot specifically. So it should be interesting to see how this all plays out and like, yeah, I hope I hope not like all the security conferences decide to do it all at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? In that that two month window. So we'll see. Yeah. I, well, I mean, because you've already typically got and that's the two month window that um, AWS like reInvent usually right. is. There's already stuff that's that's scheduled that for that time frame. I like Black Hat Europe. Right. I think we were talking about that. Um. Yeah, so I, I don't know how that's going to fit, right? Well, the uh, DEF CON, a couple of people from, who do the DEF CON, they were like, no, I don't see it happening in November because for one, the, those so apparently the contracts in Las Vegas are done. Again, this is oh, just years what I saw on Twitter. Advance. Years, yeah, that's what it said. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, wow. Because I, mean, I, I mean, a, a year in advance makes sense, but I didn't know it was that far out. I would never know that. That's like, and I guess it makes sense. It's such a major you know, space and venue. Yeah. It, oh, it definitely is. Right. It, well, I, having been involved, right. Like, cause the hacker tracker stuff, I'm actually on their base camp and everything else. That's uh, that those guys actually like when they're doing all the communications, I haven't paid much attention lately cause everything else has been going on, but I know that they, when they sign a contract, it's like, Hey, it's for this week for the next like three or four years, right? Like it's, it is honestly that far out that they, they schedule it. Um, so unless it happens to be that they're in a contract year and they can switch it up, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to shift. And then the way that those conferences get scheduled in Vegas at all those venues, it's not like there's open periods, right? I mean, if there is, you're pretty lucky, but you're probably going to be squished into some non- uh, non-ideal space or non-ideal time if you try to do that. So like, yeah, I highly doubt that it'll happen. The question is going to be, can they get out of the contracts? Can they extend the contract? Like what, like, you know, what is Caesars entertainment going to say about it? Right. That That's realistically what it comes down to is, Hey, if Caesar holds our feet to the fire, we're just going to hold it because we can't, right. Like they can't make money or they can't actually support like they, they don't, I mean, they make money, but it's not a, yeah. It's, no, yeah. it's not. It's not a uh, money. It's not like a money making event, though. It's not. It's not no, meant it to covers, make anyone rich. It co- yeah, it covers its cost. You know, there's a few people that it you know covers their salary to to organize things for the year, but it's not a huge organization. So, yeah. Which I mean, I'm sure there are like definitely conferences that. Um, that you know do make a profit there have to be right but like for the majority of people i know who have run and still continue to run conferences they always say the same thing they're like if we don't go in the red i'll be happy and but it comes close to that and then they get like finances is like the biggest stress uh besides like people you know like falling code of conduct that kind of stuff but like and vendors and then like dealing with vendors too because you know vendors are always like I want my space here and there and I want special this and how many can I have like all 472 employees of my company get in for free? Like, why not? I sponsored, you know, there's always those crazy things, but like, yeah, they never make money. They're not meant to make money. I mean, again, there's probably somebody who's making money. 
I'm probably full of crap, but I know a lot of my friends who are friends mutually, like they don't make any money off that. They're just like happy to not be broke at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and that's, I, I mean, most of those community conferences, that's what it's like. Right. Um, but, you know, there's obviously the, you know, the black hats and the <clears throat> RSAs of the world that I'm sure somebody's making some cash off of. Um, hence the reason that they keep to do it, keep doing it. But the prices there also are, you know, they're, they go way up as opposed to, you know, they're buying it. Is what it is. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I know they're they're getting down to the wire as far as okay, if they're going to do it, they have to start planning a lot of stuff um, for end of July. So, I, but you know, from what I was hearing, it's beginning of March is what is when we'll know for sure. Uh, that's when they'll make the go no no go decision. According to, I think it was DT did, uh, Dark Tangent came out on Twitter and said basically that. Um, and then he he posted it to all the department leads and stuff like that for DEFCON as well. Is that, hey, we know this is crazy, but, you know, they canceled DEFCON China. So, hey, they just postponed it for a year. Yeah, you got to be safe. I mean, you got to take safety. Yeah. Like, sa- safety is like, you know, priority one here, especially with a loud or loud, a large group of people. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I was like, uh, gonna shift the thing to well like one question so i had I had this question like if for view for the people that are watching like i'd be interested maybe we'll post a survey or something but i'm curious how people are handling this from like a work perspective because i don't know about you but i found myself like working more just to sort of like stay because you know the, when you don't have when you don't have anywhere to go you can't do any of like and I mean, I'm sure people have hobbies that they can do in their house. Like, I don't know, playing a musical instrument or something like that. Yeah. Right. But for those of us who, re- who our hobbies require us to go out of the house, um, I don't like, there's nowhere to put that energy. You know what I mean? And, 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 uh, so for, so for, I've, for me, I've compensated by just like doing more things, whether that's, I mean, often cases like for work or I've just, you know, uh, last night just started working on the book that we're trying to put together, just like being on a computer doing computer E things more. And uh, yeah. anyways, like, so I'm not, I'm just curious for people that watch, like, I don't know, post in the comments or Slack or something. I'm curious if y'all are um, like what you, how you're dealing with it, what you're doing. Like, are you, is it surprising how you, how your reaction's been like, you know, I'm just curious how, how everyone's sort of dealing with it and, and, What's what's any interesting like byproducts of being stuck inside? Yeah, um, I know for me, right? Like, I, I work from home all the time, and, and I know you do as well, right? But what I found is people like you that now have extra time because people aren't in an office. <laughs> have caused my work factor to go up significantly, right? Like, <laughs> I am just like, I, like, I'll be honest, I'm like, work-wise, I'm pretty overwhelmed right now. Uh, like, it just, I'm keeping my head above water, but it's been, you know, swing from one thing to the next to the next, and it's difficult to, uh, like, it's been more difficult than usual to separate and actually do anything extracurricular, right? And then you add on to that that the family's around and they yeah. normally aren't. And that, so there's also this like added, hey, what's everybody else doing? And, you know, there's musical instruments going on, you know, during conference calls. 
but at least it's everyone that's on the conference calls now. It's not just me. So like it, it's a shared you know thing that everybody's gone through. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's just, you're, you're right. It has increased that stress load, uh, that work stress load. So when you say like people like me, are you saying like you're, uh, so are you having sort of like, I'm, I'm curious, or does that mean just more work because people are, so like your clients are working more, so they're hitting you up more or something like that? Yeah. So they're used to like most of the clients that I work with, are they're large corporations, right? So they're used to being in the office and they're used to this like drive by, Hey, I talk to somebody and I wander around. Um, and, but they don't realize that there's like that physical time to actually move around and things like that is taken into account. Nowadays it's like chat, 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 chat. They swing from chat to chat. Yeah. And so they're compressing and they're getting more work done than they probably normally would if they were in the office. Um, which means <laughs> that I'm getting hit up more. I, like, uh, honestly, so I, it's, I, are you saying that working from home is more efficient? I, I, I am. I like, I just, <laughs> I, I, Evan seeing, Johnson. Yeah. If you're listening. Yeah. Take <laughs> Seth's words <laughs> to heart. At least for me, and at least for people asking for 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 things and for responses, I am seeing more requests than I normally would. So, interesting. I, I mean, it's anecdotal because it's just you know my yeah. little sliver and the clients that I'm dealing with. But you know, I, I'd be interested to hear it like from other consultants if they're seeing similar things. Yeah, Ken Solar, who is by the way a consultant uh, and has <laughs> been on the show, was saying. Um, he made an interesting point about people feeling like they need to work more because they are at home and they need to feel like they're proving their value, which actually makes a lot of sense considering, you know, like um, when, when, when like the economy gets uncertain and employees empl employments, uh, you know, it's maybe in some people's heads uncertain, there's uncertainty that kind of makes sense, but also just like working from home, you know, you want to show that you're, actually accomplishing things. I'm sure if it's, if it's new to you, you're not used to, it's probably just feels weird. I know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, he's probably right. I mean, I'm sure that's why I get hit up from the people that probably wouldn't be following up on like, you know, as frequently if they were in the office is because, Oh, they're trying to show their value and they're trying to, you know, prove that they're doing what they should be doing. And yeah. By the way, yeah. Toller also mentioned, judging by my outfit, because it's got jujitsu stuff all over it, this is totally accidental. This is the shirt that I put on yesterday, and I suck, <laughs> and nothing matters anymore. So I'm just like wearing the same shirt from yesterday. And then my hair is a freaking mess, you know, no barbers and whatnot. And so like I just threw on a beanie. This is a total accident. It like, I promise you, it wasn't not planned. Uh, to like rep the gym, but sure, sure, yeah, sure. I know. No one's gonna believe that, but it actually is legitimate. Like, it wasn't until he made a comment that I kind of thought about it. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I was reading through Clint's, uh, through Clint's, um, Clint Gibbler's, um, TLDR. TLDR sec. Man, like I sent a tweet out to him thanking him for it, but man, it is such a useful newsletter if you're not checking out tldr seg you are really missing out there were a few things there's one article from ncc that he had posted um which was about d so it was over um 
is DNS over HTTPS or DOH. DOH. <laughs> um, it's it was interesting because they've got this tool they had put out Singularity. I should probably get some links here going. Um, they put out this tool called uh, Singularity, which is used for DNS rebinding. And just a quick refresher for those listening on DS DNS rebinding. What did I say? DNS rebinding. I can't speak today. I swear, heads foggy. Anyways, for the, for as a quick recap, uh, the idea is your browser is communicating with. Um, you think you're you think you're communicating with one website, which would be like the attacker website, but they're actually having you um, make requests to like let's say an intranet site uh, internal to your network or to just whatever the target um, website is. So they're tricking your DNS into thinking uh, essentially that they're, they're it's communicating with one domain, but it's actually communicating with another. So it's like targeting your request to go to a site you didn't mean to go to, which is pretty interesting. Um, you know, I, I think I think right now for me, it just kind of squarely falls into like that's a really interesting uh, attack. And then with C uh, or sorry, SSRF. Uh, when you combine those two together, that that could make for some pretty interesting scenarios. But I haven't actually used Singularity and hadn't actually used Singularity on DNS over HTTPS, which is baked into, I guess. I mean, I know Firefox, maybe Chrome, I think Chrome as well as they, they stated. Um, anyways, apparently the tool worked pretty flawlessly and without much issue, which was surprising to me. I would have thought that would have been not the case, but um, let me just get the link here. It was it was pretty interesting and fascinating to read that. Oh yeah, I just dropped it in our chat and dropped it in oh. the Slack channel as well. Thank you, appreciate that. Yeah, and in that uh, article, they actually have the link to the Singularity tool. And I mean, what they ran into was actually more just like troubleshooting how the tool works. It's like, so when they couldn't get some of their requests to like rely or sorry, some of their DNS rebinding attacks to reliably work. It was just because they had to like, it was just normal, like fixing your code. I think that their DNS queries were, it was basing, it was basing rebinding off the last DNS query instead of the first DNS query. So that caused some confusion with the tool. Um, and there, there were a couple, it was just a couple minor things. It wasn't like the security mechanisms of, DNS over HTTPS made it super hard to use. It was just like their, their tool just needs some troubleshooting. So <laughs> anyway, totally cool. Very interesting. Um, he had like Azure security docs, which you're actually speaking of. I had shared with Ken Toller earlier this morning because uh, I was like, man, this is cool. Just it's it's really got a lot of uh, good information in that um, newsletter. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like that's one of those that, I mean, the stuff Clint's doing to compile all of that, he just seems to have a knack for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for I always sure. get, I, I, you know, and now I'm like jumping down the DNS over HTTPS rabbit hole. So I, I, I'm not going to dig into that now, but I've got to pull it up. Because <laughs> that, that was one that I actually didn't, you know, read through from the newsletter when it came in, right? Like he's mm -hmm. got so many different topics that you can dive into. Um, and I know there was one that he posted recently, which was on oh, crap. I can't even remember now, but there was another one that was in, um, which one was it that I saw that I had seen earlier and he pulled it into his, uh, I can't remember. I'll have to find it. Um, it was an interesting article what? or presentation. 
What are you seeing? Sorry, man. I got I got like totally sidetracked reading Ken Kohler's post about people taking screenshots of their employees every five minutes while they're working from home as like a way to track them. What the hell? No. Okay. So yeah, he brought up sneak. So this is not sneak. Sneak the S N Y K. Yeah, this is not S N Y K, which is the software composition analysis tool. This is S N E E K, and it's a it's basically a collaborative video platform that you're supposed to turn on your webcam all day long, so your uh, your employees and your they can do like the drive by stuff, right? Like where they're asking questions and you know just start chatting, you know, organically. Okay, I, I have huge privacy issues there, as it is, you know, as far as I, I don't want to be on video all day long. I don't think anyone wants to be on video all day long on, on one of those systems, right? Um, but, yeah, it says that uh, the Sneak webcam app, that there's people, that there's employers that are actually taking pictures every five minutes to monitor and then going back and checking. You should post that link. Yeah, sorry. Well, it's in there, but I'll post it on the YouTube yeah. Yeah. Kind of not. And they're like, yeah, I was never designed to spy on anyone, said the company yeah. whose product's named Sneak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, David uh, Hansen, uh, DHH, I, uh, from if you're not familiar, is a very opinionated um, creator, original creator of the Rails framework, and um, is uh, oh, founder of Basecamp. And you and I have read a couple books from them. There's like Rework and I'm looking at Rework right now. And then the other one was, was it Drive was by them too? By that team? I don't, I don't remember. It could be, right? Those are similar. But. You and I both read the books and there was actually really good uh, because they are remote first. Plus like there are things not like we're going to do a 40 hour work week. We're going to do the work week that beats the goals that our company wants. And they have all these revolutionary ideas and in a sense, about well revolutionary at the time anyways or or if not revolutionary sorry maybe that's the wrong word that's not what i actually what i mean revolutionary i mean um polarizing i guess or you know kind of like yeah anyways it's uh i guess that's i don't think that's not what i'm trying to say i'm trying to say it was like it's controversial that's the word i'm trying to find jeez i can't figure out the word controversial today uh, just because they, they're like, yeah, we don't feel like you need to work a lot. Um, we don't need to like do all the products. We just need to do some of the products. We're not interested in taking funding, like all this, this stuff that's not. So anyways, it's no, it's no wonder somebody so outspoken and so controversial in the opinions they presented at the time where people weren't working from home like they are now. Uh, is commenting on this because it's it I agree it actually makes my skin crawl too what a weird idea yeah, yeah I I don't know I, like I even right like we've both run small businesses that are remote first and I, I would never as someone that like has been in leadership on those teams I wouldn't want to have that view into my employees right like it just feels man right that, well, like, interestingly. No they're saying that the uh, in this article that their uh, product was based off of uh, some of the, the principles of the um, yeah the book of the book the really HH put out yeah so that's interesting. <laughs> Anyways, so I guess like they were saying, this software is actually not was not which is possible. It wasn't 
meant to do that. Um, but like, that's how it's being used now. It's more just like for people to use to feel connected and like in the same room, but all right, yeah. whatever. But using it like in that way is gross. Yeah. I mean, that would be the same thing as, Hey, you've got like a, a, a mandatory, like 20, you know, eight hour WebEx or whatever session that you have to be on zoom session. Um, like you could abuse those other tools the same way if you really wanted to as an employer. Right. Yeah. I, it, it just feels like that's, yeah, that, that's crossing that line as it is, as far as, Hey, you, you know, everybody has to be on there for eight hours a day. Yeah. 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 I, I'm with DHH on that. It, it makes my skin crawl a little bit. So dislike Ben says, <laughs> dude, also yes. like, I don't think any, can we just talk about the whole eight hour arbitrary number that came up for a second? Okay. Like if you were every day and I'm not talking about going through like a sprint period, if you were every day for eight exact hours working, doing intense work in the sense of like your mind, like, you know, your mind has to be completely focused. You're solving hard problems. You're doing that eight hours straight. Every day for 52, well, let's say you take a month of vacation, a, a, a year, like three weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. So like, what is that? Like 49 weeks ish, maybe less with the holidays. Come on, man. Who is realistically doing that? Who's sitting at their desk? I'll say it. Nobody's sitting at their desk for eight straight hours, like doing that every single day, day in and day out. Like that's just not how, how humans work at the most. We talk about this on our secure code course. We're like, after about two hours, you need to walk away and take a break. Cause like your yeah. brain is going to lose focus. You're going to start to go on YouTube or you're going to start reading articles. You're going to start, you're going to be taking a break without realizing you're taking a break anyways. Just get up and walk away. Like take it, take a stroll, take a walk. It's healthy. Your mind needs it. It's weird to think that somebody's just going to sit at their chair for eight straight hours a day. It's like, I mean, yeah. Anyways, that's very opinionated, I'm sure. But like, come on, let's be realistic. Well, I, I mean, I think it's changed, right? Like you, you think back to the days when, um, I, I mean, you know, you were, I don't know about you. I had a, you know, I had a job in college where it was like factory floor working, right? And, right. you know, it was, hey, you, you know, every hour there was, you know, 50 to 55 minutes of work that you had to do. And then you got a small break and then you came back and you sat down and you rotated through different things to kind of keep you at least somewhat interested, but the factory floor jobs and that style of manufacturing, right. It lends itself to, yes, there's a small break, but you know, you're doing the same thing over and over and over. But now that we're moving into more of these information style jobs, Right? Like where you're, you're asked to be creative, where you're asked to solve problems. It's not just a rote, hey, I'm putting this product on that product and you know moving it down the line. It's not that sort of assembly process. It's, yeah, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, people, It's a different type out. of job. It is. It's a different type I, of job. And I should have like threw in the caveat you're kind of added, adding there. I mean, I did a, I, yeah, I've done jobs definitely that require no like, I, one, one job, I literally just walked through an, um, a warehouse and this is before Amazon was Amazon. And I would just, it was like, a you would go through, you know, those magazines you'd go through and you'd like pick the electronics for like, uh, at like a discount. It was one of those places. So I, I just would walk through this, like, um, 
this essentially big inventory of electronics, go to my sheet, go pick the thing and just put the thing in the, the, the cart and then like just put the cart with the sheet on, you know, and that's it. It was very mindless. I say literally like that job is now done by robots. Legitimately, Amazon does it with robots now. So it's like, you know, it was a pretty mindless job to be honest, but it was, uh, it was physically intense in the sense that you're on your feet for like 12 straight hours. So you even then had to get breaks. It, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we're human beings. Like even then we still, you know, your legs and your feet and everything hurt after a while. And so you need breaks. And so like, I don't know, even in a mindless job, there's still like breaks between, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, they've, they've learned that over time, right? Like, you know, the factory workers, you look back to like Henry Ford and, you know, everything that happened there with it, as far as, Hey, we're putting together this, you know, okay. We're, we're, we're getting way off the AppSec topic. I know. Like we, we actually had other stuff to talk about, but here we are. <laughs> but like you look, you look at it, and you know, I, I mean, basically, the the information workers at the time were like, "Hey, we're going to maximize efficiency with our employees, right? right?" And they realized that, hey, if they didn't take a break every hour, right, for at least ten minutes, that efficiency would go down and more mistakes would be made. And so they've learned that over time. I think in the office setting, and this is what I was going to go back to, it goes back to what what, I, what we were talking about at the beginning about how things seem busier. I think in the office setting, people naturally, you know, they get up and they get a cup of coffee. They get up and they, you know, they go to lunch and it's at least at the cafeteria. They change their view. They walk, you know, around the building to talk to someone, uh, right? So those breaks are happening and that's what's not happening right now. So they feel like they need to be in their seat for eight hours a day and they've got to be efficient that whole time as opposed to, oh, guess what? It's probably okay if I, you know, if I don't respond to that email within the first five minutes that it comes in. Um, and if you haven't been working from home for a while, you don't realize like to keep your sanity that you have to do that because you're introducing that work um, kind of impetus into your living space. Right? And, and unless you kind of, you separate that out somehow, you're going to go crazy. And we haven't hit that yet. I mean, most people, this is the first time that they work from home. They're four weeks into it. You, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see some sort of like work burnout based on that fact. That would be um, interesting. Because we, we've all gone through that, like that whole, hey, I'm, I'm starting to work from home. I feel like I have to respond to everything instantly. I have to be like at the top of my game all the time. I have to be producing more content than I would than if I was in the office. And you've, you've got all those same pressures that are coming at you. I mean, Ken mentioned like a P1 and everything else that you know could um, could affect your day, you still have to solve all those problems. But now there's the expectation that, or you put the expectation on yourself that, hey, I have to respond and I have to get through X amount of tickets or I have to make X amount of progress in a day because I'm at home where you probably didn't have those same expectations if you were in the office, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Ken Toller brought up a, a good point here about like people who are living in smaller spaces, living and mm -hmm. working in smaller spaces. Like, cause again, going back to the fact that you and I have been doing this work, this, and probably a lot of people watching too have done like work from home. Um, but I mean, you and I have done a lot of our career at home yeah. and 
I mean, I feel like I'm well set up for it. I've, my, my office reflects everything that I like. I've got space. My house has got enough space for like everyone to be comfortable. And, you know, it, but there are people now who are, you know, like they, I mean, actually Ken Toller is a good example. He lives in the city. And for those that live in the city, you know, space is a premium. And now you're talking about <clears throat> people that are used to being able to like, I feel like the trade-off, especially in, in, in cities, um, is that you, you trade like this living space for just being out and about and like having lots of options where to go to eat, where to go to, to see music, you know, whatever the, the thing is. And now you don't have that and you're stuck inside a small enclosed space that has to exacerbate all of the anxiety that you talked about. Um, which I think if you're not feeling a little anxious right now, like that would be abnormal. <laughs> um, yes. yeah. So yeah, every, yeah. Um, no, no, you're. I, I think you're right. Uh, like it's going to be I think interesting. He's right. Yeah, you know? he, is, he is. It's going to be. A, there's there's a mental crash that's coming. On top of the anxiety for hey, guess what? The you know COVID nineteen's happening, so I can't talk to people. I can't see people. I can't be where people are. Now I'm stuck in an enclosed space, and I'm you know I'm putting in more hours than I probably should, and I've got anxiety issues to deal with the fact that I can't like see my boss and see my coworkers. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I think there's a, like, there's definitely like a mental, yeah, I, I mean, crash or there's going to be some sort of a backlash that happens. Um, it, and it, it really depends on how long things last, right. In your community and in your situation. It will be interesting to see if, um, there was, um, again, this is just anecdotal, but I had seen, uh, someone who realized they saved. They're now moving their, after seeing how much money was saved, they're getting rid of their, uh, man, I wish I had uh, saved. Oh, it was one of them. Yeah, it was, some, it was somebody in Silicon Valley. Yeah, they were like, man, I spend millions of dollars on all this space and I don't need to. I'm going to just send, I'm just going to keep the workforce at home. <laughs> yeah. So, which yeah, is like, somebody, you know, it was, a, it was a startup and they're like, hey, we're spending $10 million a year on space. That's what it was, 10 million. Yeah. So yeah. we saw I, I saw the same article yeah. and I'm sure it was Jerry or somebody who posted it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we can Which find not it. To say working from home works for everybody. I mean, it, it, there's, this, there's pros and cons with both. I mean, like I can honestly say, you know, I'm definitely an introvert. I know you are fall, you fall more on the introvert spectrum as well. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm, you know, now like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, even I'm like, all right, I'm like, this sucks. I need people. <laughs> like, oh, no, no. We so, were, I mean, we were, yeah, we were texting back and forth last night about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I, and, and part of it, I know for you and me too, right? Like, I'm introverted a lot of the time, but there's that, the, the whole aspect of we travel for work and we go to these conferences, we meet people. That's where a lot of the interesting research happens. And I'm used to having that kind of injection of, excitement every you know that's month what it is couple of months yeah of hey man this is awesome the, the stuff that we're doing the problems that we're dealing with and then I, I like at this point i'm like i don't have that to look forward to right it's yeah yeah no it, actually that's I think that's why like Clint's uh, newsletter like meant so much this week was it's exactly what you're talking about. Like uh, w when you, you're totally right. I hadn't thought about this either. You go to a conference, what do you do? Every time you walk away, like every, I mean, unless it's just, I don't know, like there it's rare, but most conferences you, you go there and you walk away with like, 
oh, that was cool. You know, like I hadn't heard about this or whatever. And then it gets you refreshed to, and re-engaged and like want to go back to your back to your house and like start hacking on stuff, start playing with new tools that are released, start reading those pages. And it gets you just like re-energized and re-motivated for what we do. And like, it's cool, but we don't have that now. So people, people, now's a good time. If you think you can put together an awesome newsletter, now is the time to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you, uh, did you see that comment from Ken? Now is uh, the time to go. <laughs> he wants to go, you know, ride through a city as a scooter gang looking for a place to eat. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. That's yeah. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if we talked about this, but where we were at, um, to explain that comment. Ops days. Austin. Yeah, sec op days. Yeah. Austin, Mike McCabe, Ken Toller, Seth, myself. We, uh, we had a great time. We just like rented those, uh, Uber scooters or whatever it was like Lyft scooter. I forget what it was anyways. And we just like scooter ganged through, uh, Austin and, uh, just went bar hopping on scooters. It was super fun. It was like, nobody was out. It was, it was super cold, right? Cause it's yeah, like what, November cool. <laughs> yeah. bad wind chill. Nobody wanted to be out. And we're just like off to the next bar on the scooters. It was cool. It was a good time. Yeah, but yeah. no, no, that, but that's just it. Like that's exactly what he's saying. Is that's that's what we're missing right now is like that kind of connection. Yeah. yeah. Remember November. <laughs> Remember yeah. November. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's a good time. I mean, I you know, I, I know we're all gonna make it through, but I, I do feel like there's gonna be significant changes to remote working, right? And like interactions, like personal interactions with people, like this has definitely changed. Did Comcast break out or did my Wi-Fi cut out? Now I'm curious what's going on. Okay, I can see on the YouTube, it is definitely not me, Comcast. And on the record, so we were just talking about this and Seth is frozen. I'm just gonna take this moment to crap on Comcast. I have Fios and have not had really any significant outage since I <laughs> converted over. But man, when I was a Comcast customer, it was just like, yeah, there was always, yeah, I know this is a great screen grab. <laughs> nice, Ken. Yeah, like I would always have outages with Comcast and that's actually why I switched over. I was super frustrated with the service provider. So I'm going to hit up Seth real quick and see if he's going to hop back on. We've been going for a while and we haven't even gotten to any of the topics that we were going to talk about. Um, while I am texting, I'll tell you what we were going to talk about. We were going to go through some strolls down memory lane, uh, because this weekend I was cleaning out my basement and I came across a, and I tweeted about it, a situation where our, not a situation, a PowerPoint, I'd kept the PowerPoint slide deck, which was printed out, uh, which is, I guess, something I did at the time working for a government contractor. So anyways, the presentation was uh, to sell the Pentagon on this new thing called web security. And I had quite the good chuckle about that because uh, the technology that I've listed in there and um, the reasons why web security matter, it's hilarious to think back in 2000, probably late 2008, early 2009, that we had to explain to the government that web app security was even a thing, what it was, why it was important. And uh, yeah, so some of the highlights from that were, um, so just to give like 
uh, going back down that as we wait for Seth, um, back down that path at, oh, there we go. Here he is at the time, um, network security ruled all that's what people cared about. And, oh, here we go. What's up, Seth? Hey man. So Comcast decided to take a crap on me again. So I'm outside and I'm on 5G on my phone. We'll just finish this up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like, cause one of the things we were going to talk about was like the whole, like how AppSec had to be promoted to certain entities and how at the time back in like 2008, 2009, I was working as a government contractor um, for the Pentagon, but like specifically doing uh, security, right? And at the time, like retina, the retina scanner and like Nessus scans and, and basically just network scans were like the way that you secured things. So it was pretty funny when I was going through that slide deck that I found in the basement as I was cleaning it out this weekend, uh, where it was like, you know, you've got all these traditional firewalls, you've got, you, you've got, you've got firewalls, you have all these traditional network protections, antivirus, all this stuff. But did you know that through your web application, someone could get access to the network or steal data. And I, I swear, like I had to, like that, those were like, that was my like, pitch on why AppSec mattered. And I had all these like, bullet, and it's funny cause it wasn't that long ago, right? Like that's like 12 years ago. It's not that big of a deal, 11, 12 years ago, uh, or not that long ago, but that is a long time in the, in the sense of like the security industry. So it just cracked me up. Cause at the time, like they didn't know what that was yet. We're like, we had these uh, group, this Iranian hacker group that was like putting us on there's, I forget the website. There was a site at the time where you could like shame people. If you like hacked in and defaced their website, you could like post a link to it, put your hacker group on there. Yeah. So we had like this Iranian yep. cyber group that was constantly defacing the websites uh, for, for the, um, for the military, for the DOD. Uh, specifically apps connected to the Pentagon uh, network. And, you know, like they, they just didn't understand. They're like, well, yeah, it's embarrassing to deface, but that's not like a big deal. And it was like, dude, you guys have some serious basic issues, which I won't go into, but, you know, you can imagine all the web app sec vulnerabilities just applied and like apply that to like classic ASP sites, PHP sites, JSP sites, like, all the all the things you could imagine that would go wrong and um anyways it was just funny to go through that like stroll down memory lane seth and just like you know the, the technologies listed were like flex and air and uh flash and and all this stuff <laughs> so are you still with me seth he's frozen you there I don't think he's there. I think we're frozen. That's cool. We can always uh, recap this and go into that discussion next time. But um, yeah, I'll probably uh, probably just end up closing out the um, the chat. Wait, hold on. All right, Seth, what do you want to do? You want to close it out? Yeah. Okay. All right, we're gonna close it out for this week. Uh, he's texted me there's some serious latency issues uh you saw him in his backyard anyways i feel like this is a story i i have the uh like i still have the powerpoint presentation i kind of want to go through this though because there's a lot of like little things to uh 
to sort of discuss about that and all the like how things have evolved over time. And I, I feel like that's a good if people are interested, I'd love to like share that whole sort of evolution and, and how Seth and I have seen things change over the last decade. So um, probably not going to happen yeah. this episode, but what's that, Seth? Oh, I was just saying, sorry about that. Yeah, like, I don't know if my uh, network's going to stay up here, just given where I'm at. And I can see the technicians working on stuff. So I'll tell them I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can hear me okay right now, though? I can, I can. Um, one thing Ken Toller had mentioned, which I thought was like pretty kind of an interesting idea, is maybe doing like a virtual happy hour at some point. Yeah. So maybe we could put together yeah, something like that. Yeah, let's let's try and do that this week, right? We'll just post in the channel, maybe do something on like Thursday afternoon. Um, yeah, I'd be up for it. It'd be fun to, and then we could swap war stories there. Uh, we'll record it and maybe post it or maybe not, right? Like, I don't think it'll necessarily have to be something that we, we actually put onto the channel, but at the very least we can get people together and we could do, we could swap some war stories. So um, that'd be fun. And then see if people could actually you know, come out of their shells a little bit right now or pretend to. Yeah. Just kind of like um, have a way to like interact, you know, but like, yeah. And not go crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, that would be really cool. Um, I think we should try and set that up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll post it and invite people see if we can get, you know, the regular viewers of the show at least on and maybe some of the past guests things like that yeah it'd be fun um otherwise yeah i don't know i'm all out of sorts now because my my internet's down so well i was gonna i was gonna bring up two things one is if you have topics you'd like us to to cover whether it be a technical or whatever, whatever topic you're interested in, you can email that to absolute appsec at gmail.com, or you can put it in our like Slack channel, or you can DM us on the Slack channel, um, whichever, or even on Twitter, you have our Twitter handles it's at the beginning of each episode. Uh, so that's one way. And then, uh, or several ways. Um, and then, so that was the first thing. And the second thing was, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the second thing. It was, Oh, um, Oh, actually, yeah. No, that's we'll stick with that for now. We'll, we'll stick for that. Okay. I, 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 I was kind of going to mention our plans for the future, and but I think what we'll do is we'll just unveil uh, the whole thing we've been talking yeah. about doing uh, and just see how people take see it. So like, there's a little surprise yeah. in store, little good, good, happy things that should, yeah, make people, give people value and, and be like, yeah, useful yeah. and and it is a good, hopefully good, uh, with the timing of being stuck inside. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, we've got some plans as far as you know, adding more value, right? Like, I, you know, Ken and I really enjoy the podcast, but there's some other things that we've always talked about doing um, that'll be associated with Absolute AppSec that um, could continue to drive discussion and help people getting into the industry. Just all the things that we that we value. So watch for that. Um, hopefully the first, you know, that'll be announced within the next couple of weeks. Just depends on, you know, how much free time Ken and I get, or I get, <laughs> I should say. Yeah, you. Yeah. You're the one really busy. Yeah, but it's okay. So, um, yeah. But outside of that, 
I, um, I, you know, encourage everyone to stay safe, stay home. You know, I feel like we're, we're kind of, we're pushing this um, instance that people are getting used to the fact that they're home, but now want to go back out and it's still being recommended that, that they don't. I'm especially struggling with like parents and grandparents that are used to this, like, oh, we see everybody every weekend and we haven't for four weeks. Oh, there haven't been any right. cases here. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, Ugh. the only reason it hasn't is because everybody's been pretty strict. The second that you stop that there could be an increase. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, since our uh, relative, so yeah, I mean, we've been doing FaceTimes basically since our relatives had, um, they don't, the grandparents don't live here. Like we, we had, this was like a while. This was actually a year and a half ago or so I had bought cause they were on super cheap sale, some echo shows. Cause our, they don't, they didn't have like, and they had Android devices. So we brought, bought like some yeah. uh, shows when they were super cheap. And, um, yeah. So I sent some to the grandparents in different States, but anyways, any old zoom seems free. Yeah. Video chatting helps somewhat, but it is not the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this looks like it's working okay right now. Do you want to, um, like what other topics did you have that you wanted? To oh, that was like, the I only thing is just kind of like, I was curious to hear. Stuff. Yeah. I was just kind of curious that so like, I, I, I was going to mention that and I honestly should have brought the, the slide deck up here. It's hilarious. Cause I also, one thing I also found was a, um, I don't know if I should admit this, but, uh, it is going into like a shredder, uh, this week. But I, for some reason, I still had one of my reports from back then. Oh, bro. <laughs> Web security at like, it was awful. It was, I was reading through this. I was like, how could one site be this bad? Like it was on, and I was just like, this needs to be burned. Like, I can't hold on to this. I don't know why it's in my stuff. Like it, it it's, you know, it's fine. But yeah, anyways, like it's just so, it's such an old report. It doesn't matter anymore, but Anyways, like it is, it was funny, man. I was surprised. I was like, dang, we really didn't understand web security at all as a, um, I say we, we understood, but not all of our customers. Yes. Yeah. The customers. Yes. People take for granted, like OWASP has really helped out a lot for awareness because again, I'm going back to like looking at this thing where it's really basic, like really basic, man. Like the explanations of, of trying to explain why web security matters, but then also explaining like what some of the major vulnerabilities lead to and like trying to keep that at a high level. And it is, and then seeing that report in tandem with the slide deck, I was like, man, the, things have improved drastically. And I, I, you know, not trying to like yeah. tout, you know, think separate OWASP the org from all the individuals that have contributed to it and put their like their free time and spare time into it. So separate out how you feel about, which I mean, like, I don't know. Some people, I mean, most of us are cool with OWASP, but you know, there's definitely some people that aren't, but at the end of the day, you, what you can't take away from it is that it's taking, taking all these open source efforts, put it into one place and then shoved it in people's face, right? They're like this matters. And it's done a great job at that. When you look back at where we started as a, as an industry. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, I, like I always try to tell people when you, when I started actually testing stuff, like, you know, to 2004, 2005, 
Like every application had SQL injection, every single one. And, and that's where it started, right? Like, and we're not talking just like one place, which is what you'll find here and there, right? Like somebody trying to do something with tables or whatever else, right? It was like every single field on an application and including the login page and you could bypass login and you could do all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, like things have come a long way and they have gotten better. So like, I, I know we discount it because we still rate things as high severity or critical severity, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was, you know, 15 right. years ago when you would, uh, yeah. It, I mean, you look at those reports and it's like everything from SQL injection to, you know, Hey, I provided some sort of XML cause it was soap or whatever back in the day and the whole thing just crashed. And you know, like you've got data hidden, like customer data hidden on pages and including like passwords, like admin passwords embedded yeah. in hidden fields. Right. Like it was, it, it was that bad. And I rarely see that anymore. Um, like I, every once in a while, I still run into an app and it's just like a complete shit show, but it's, you know, it's one in, you know, 50 now, not like one in two that's, that, that comes to that level. So, yeah. Bro, in this report, there was cross-site scripting, SQL injection, I think like local file inclusion. Yep. It was a PHP. If not, well, sorry, there was JSP yeah, yeah. and PHP. I don't know how, but like that's what yeah. I saw two different things of. And it was horrible. It was every so it was Java with JSP uh, front end like uh, pages for you know rendering. But yeah, it was insane. It was horrible. It was like, <laughs> anyways, it's so it was so so bad. And I was like, how, how, <laughs> like, how, how? yeah. So you, it was it was pretty bad, but it, it is it did make kind of when you mentioned soap, it did crack me up too because soap was in there like, yep, yeah. I mean, and and there were like queries you could run and endpoints you could hit where you could just download everyone's data. It was just awful, man. It was it was like so forceful browsing, insecure direct object, everything. Like the 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 report is uh, again, it's going to be burned here in a second, but uh, anyways, it like um. It's so old. It doesn't matter, but uh, yeah, it was just crazy. Like it was really crazy to read. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say is, and I know that when we had Manico on, right, he talked about how it's like, oh, the the frameworks have made a huge difference, and eventually we'll get there, and there won't be any vulnerabilities. And I and I still dispute that, but I don't dispute the fact that it's gotten better and developers are more conscientious they understand security they're trying um right and and business as well realizes the risk that's there and so it's yeah, like, like it, it's not all doom and gloom you know even though at times it, it does feel like it because it still does feel like you re write the same report over and over um, with the things that you find and maybe it's just because as a you know as someone that assesses code and applications you get really good at finding certain things um, mm. but yeah no so, yeah like well, yeah. I, I i keep referencing this report but i only reference that report because that's how all my reports look that that report wasn't special it was how all my reports looked it just happened the only thing that was special yeah. is like just like i don't know why i had it but i i know for a while i was working from home as a contractor um that's probably why but uh anyways like um 
it doesn't matter. Like the, the point is, is that uh, all the reports looked like that. Um, it was insane. It, it was, and, and, and like that time was awesome because it was when I was still kind of cutting my teeth on web app sec. So it was a beautiful time because everything was vulnerable and everything in the web app hackers handbook was relevant and Thank applied you. and all those bones were there and it was awesome. And they were easy to exploit and like, you know, burp was a thing. So it like, that was cool to use and nobody really even understood. But that's the, that's the thing too, is like when I would go into those meetings, cause we always did our meetings, you know, obviously in person to do, uh, cause what we were doing is we were, we were contracted for the Pentagon, but we go to all these different agencies and we go and sit down. Cause if you wanted to connect to that backbone, you've got to go through these assessments. And so that started including web application assessments. So we go to all these different orgs and we have like an in-brief and an out-brief. And during the out-brief, we'd roll through all these phones and people would inevitably ask like, how are you able to do that? Like we have client side yeah. JavaScript that like doesn't even allow you to do that. And like explaining that there was this thing called a proxy and that we could intercept the request. Dude, I spent a lot of meetings just being like, no, you absolutely can do that. Like, but that doesn't, we have HTTPS, you shouldn't be able to man in the middle. And I had to explain the whole like, well, it sets up a, I import the cert as a CA and I've got one SSL session to the proxy and then the proxy itself has another SSL session to the, uh, to the, web, the web server. That's how this works. And like, I spent large swaths of time just explaining because people would just be like, whoa, what is this magic that you're you're doing right now? Yeah. Like, did yeah, you, that was, was that exclusive to the government side of things or did you also come oh, up like, no. to do that? No, 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 we had full write-ups on, this is how a proxy works. And this is, this is why we can do what we do. If you want to do it, here's a proxy. Like, I, I mean, back in the day we were using, like when Burp first came out, we were using Web Scarab, which was that OWASP proxy, like a Java one. Um, but yeah, we would, a full-on walkthrough of like this is how you insert the certificate this is how you can replay the attack um and you can perform you can become a hacker too right like it was <laughs> like just intercepting the request was a it was a crazy crazy thing um yeah so it wasn't just the government it was you know, across the board that was the developers didn't understand that right like they just didn't understand the http was a plain text protocol um and i I especially saw it with enterprise developers, right? That were being trained by, you know, for .NET and for like, they'd use Visual Studio and it was just like magic on how it interacted with the server. Um, or, really? you know, even- That's what it yeah, felt like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. It was just like, oh, well, it, you know, I used to develop, you know, client server applications. And I all I know is I just put in the server IP address, like, you know, whatever the network guys tell me, this is what I put in here and it works. And they, they were treating web apps the same way. And you're like, but you're not like, you're not trying, you're not protected by TCP. You're not like, so yeah, and that's where a lot of it came from. I believe back in the day now, you know, now, yeah, now it's better. Right. But yeah, that, the, the whole write it right up of how to intercept a, a HTTP session was a staple for a long time. Nowadays you can get away with, intercept your traffic and then you move on because they mostly understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, well, and I mean, you know, in case anyone's I, wondering why, I, what's going on. Yeah. No, no. But I say that like, and, but I get into trainings, right? Like, mm -hmm. and we're teaching people like AppSec 101 and that's still the biggest thing that they don't, that developers don't understand when they walk into that is 
hey, can you see the traffic that's going back and forth and setting up burp suite for the first time with them? It's just a mind blowing experience, right? Cause they're like, right. Whoa, wait, you mean that I can stop that and I can make changes to it? And I'm like, yeah, and we we've been able to do that for, you know, 20 some odd years. And this is why all this other stuff works. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're just better at explaining it and we're doing it more upfront than, you know, somebody that's been in the industry for five to 10 years already knows that that can happen as opposed to, they're 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 being blown away with it. Sorry, what were you saying? No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, no, I it it's it's fun to go down these this stroll down memory lane. No, I was just saying that in case anyone's wondering why I say, keep saying it doesn't matter regarding the report, um, it's because like it's all obvious crap. First of all, if that that site's not online anymore, but if it was, you'd be like it was so bad that you'd just be able to like immediately start. Do it. if those vulnerabilities still existed, like it wouldn't be any proprietary secret thing, man. It would be like all over all the news. The news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just very well, obvious that's... stuff. So it wasn't anything like special. And you have to remember, I was pretty early on in my career, so I was still like, there's probably a lot of crap that like I didn't even know to look for, you know, that I would now. So yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's why I keep saying like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and that that was it, right? There was a reason that we started writing these vulnerable apps to test things against, right? Like that's why, you know, all of yeah. the, you know, the apps from OWASP are out there because um, we do run into that. Nowadays, it's not every single vulnerability in the same app like we have with Juice Shop or whatever else. Um, but you still find, you know, a vulnerability here, a vulnerability there, and it might not be in the same app, but at the very least it, it exists. So. Dude, I get excited at the prospect of finding a SQL injection now. Like that's actually, oh, yeah. honestly, like I, that would be freaking cool. It, it, I mean, horrible for like, if it was, okay, let me, let, me, let me walk all that back. If it was for work, come on, I would not love that. But if like I was just messing around and there was just like some easy, you put a single quote in SQL injection with an error-based you know, error-based SQL injection where you get an error that tells you exactly why your SQL query is broken. And I mean, that would be like, I'd be like, whoa, that's super, I haven't seen this in so long. And like, that was the norm. Every, everything was SQL injectable. Everything was had XSS. Everything sucked. It was horrible. Like we did not, web, web security was awful in 2008 and 2009. And yeah, I feel like it's I've seen, I don't know about you, but I feel like after 2013, things really picked up in, improvement wise. So, yeah, yeah, they really have. Right. And that, that seems to have been the, the tipping point as far as recognition in the developer community and, you know, new frameworks that eliminated a lot of things. Right. So being a consultant within the last, you know, two and a half years or whatever that I've, you know, been doing Redpoint, I think, yeah, like there's been two instances of SQL injection that I've found. <laughs> but they were both <laughs> see and i know right like it used to be that it was just like every single app everywhere I know these two two yeah. instances and how much fun it was to actually pull out sql map and just like rub my hands and be like boom boom boom, boom and you're dumping database bases and i'm cracking passwords that are coming out of the database you know i was like wow this is amazing i wish we would have had this back in 2008 right because it would have yeah. like made my life so much easier um but at the time, right, there was a lot of, I remember look, you know, looking for blind SQL injection and like doing, you know, uh, select subselects and, you know, unions and having to figure out exactly how many parameters are coming back. And it was a painful manual process. And yeah. 
I mean, for, for, for people that are new that are coming in, I was thinking about this. Um, cause we, we, um, we have a couple newer people. Um, and I was just thinking about the challenges that they face as opposed to like at their, how do I say this? When I was at that stage in my career, the same as them, as they are now, um, it was easy. It was easy. Like, like you said, like we, you know, everything was SQL injectable. Everything was like, had some major issue. You could throw a dart on an app and find a vuln, right? And like, they were pretty easy. It's like, well, you didn't parameterize your query or you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And it's pretty easy to, 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 to kind of like solve and to find and, you know, but now like at them coming in at the same point in their career where I was when things were just felt really easy, like it's, I don't envy. It's very hard the things they have to to like deal with because you've got such complex web applications. Like that was one of the things too that would kind of made me crack up from that that presentation I'd give about why give them about why web security mattered. It was like, oh well, you know, before it was like, here's just some static HTML and you know some maybe maybe if you're lucky some ajax which by the way do you know what ajax is nobody knew what ajax was right like what is this magical technology called ajax and now those that was like so in the presentations like oh and now it's like more complex because you've got like ActiveX and you've got flash and you got right so it's like uh or like silverlight or whatever the heck and seth dropped again that's cool we're almost at the end of this Point being for, for the folks that are coming in now, applications are far more complex than anything like I had to deal with and, and most of us had to deal with. So the, the applications are far more complex. Um, even when I had like put in a prediction of what web applications would look like, it's far more complex than even my most complex projections at the time. And then the problems are extremely different because most of the frameworks browsers there's like these standards that are out there uh, like so when you go to solve a problem and, and and somebody and and most developers you know especially the ones we work with they know they know the all the basics and cores of uh core um fundamentals of like appsec in general right like writing secure code so now the problems that you get pulled in on even as like early on in your career are so much more difficult in my opinion than when, when I first started. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, it takes a lot more time, right? Um, and a lot more thought to solve those problems. That's, that's definitely what I've been running in, into. And even something as simple as solving like authorization issues, business logic flaws, right? Because one of the things that I've been doing is like secure coding, right? Taking an old code base, that has vulnerabilities in it and you know for clients actually trying to fix that code i i don't think developers get enough credit with how difficult that can be on some of those code bases that are 10 to 12 years old uh, because there's no either there's no framework available or the way the developers the initial developers put things together creation flows and it's really easy to miss stuff uh, like the, the problems, and then you expand on top of that things like cores, content security policy, um, you know, other issues, and new technologies introduce new vulnerabilities. It's become a lot more difficult to actually wrap your mind around everything and become an expert in solving those problems. 
and it, it it it's not just a hey i get i can go read the OWASP top 10 and i'm covered it, it, it's no the days of that are long gone and browsers all behave differently which they always have there's always been that nuance but like with like you said with all the with all the technologies that are in place now and and have been enabled to like prevent security issues it's it's weird to make things work and make them work securely and it's hard and then even if you think you have a solution and i've been running up against this especially the last like month browser behavior being different from one browser yeah so behavior being different from one browser to the other and then just like the interpretation of how specs are supposed to work and then like weird things i didn't even know that like i it was like what the browser does it this way why and then you go and you look through like the discussions around it and it's just it's it's very complex it's very complex it's not like how easy i feel that it was when i first started just like hey put a single tick into a form on a classic asp site boom <laughs> here's your report you know? yep. <laughs> so anyways yeah. i guess we should probably wrap it up yeah it's, yeah, I mean, we've been talking for an hour, so. But it, I mean, it's good to actually think about that, right? To to consider how far we've come, um, and but then I also like I, I kudos to the to the people that are coming into the industry now and wrapping their brains around it, uh, because it is so much more difficult. And like, feel free to reach out, right? Like, if you have a question on why something is the way it is, hit us up. Um, most likely we've dealt with it in some, in some aspect or jump onto one of the Slack channels. There's multiple people in the industry that'll help you actually work your way through it. Um, but don't be afraid of it because, you know, there's still SQL injection out there to find. Um, yeah. And it's still fun when you do find it, right? It's yeah. not quite as, you know, debilitating as it once was, but you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, it's good to catch up. Uh, we'll get this ripped and posted. And, you know, um, I think, who do we have on next week? I think it's the Hunter 2 team, right? That's Let's coming see. on. or that? No, no, it's the Hunter Dev team, I believe it is. Um, the What's guys the that name? are doing that open open source, secure yeah. code review stuff, right? Or secure code fixes that they're paying for. Hunter, wait, sorry. Yeah, Hunter.dev is next week. Yep. So that'll be, uh, I mean, that'll be interesting to talk to those guys about how they're structuring their business and, um, you know, paying for basically vulnerability fixes. Uh, it's interesting space. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, cool. cool, man. It was good catching well, up. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for dealing with my, uh, crappy internet today. Um, I'm going to go see if I can yell at Comcast some and get, get things solved. You can uh, yell at them. It won't solve a thing. Believe me. I know from experience. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to try to catch it, catch the technicians that were just like ripping like down the street. Right. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> you're, you're just going to go you're out there. There's going to be cables just like hanging out of the like box. Cover is going to be thrown it, and they're going to be on break for the next like 48 to 72 days. Don't yeah, worry. It's, yep. You'll get there when they it's get It's fine. There, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cool, man. All right. Uh, well, we'll see everybody next week. And yeah, stay safe, stay home, um, and jump on the Slack channels and 
let us know if there's something that you want us specifically to cover. Appreciate it. Later. Bye.